Hello, my friends. It is Oblivion Spin Presents. It is Eric. It is laundry day. Usually I'm doing my laundries on laundry day. I'm not even doing my laundry this time. Should I be doing my laundry? Probably. But we're off schedule. The world is weird. Time is weird. Everything's an illusion. Laundry day, of course, is the casual chats that we have sometimes about twice a month, usually on Thursdays. Uh, They come and go. Originally, they're here for housekeeping purposes, but they also are just me kind of babbling at you guys without much aim, direction, and pretty much no script. So it is Sunday morning as I am recording. This will come out on Thursday morning, uh, whenever you're listening to this. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Hope you're doing well. Your sweater looks lovely. I like your little glasses. Are they new? What a great haircut. So I took a little break from recording over the holidays. I talked last laundry day about the technical difficulties I was having, but then the holidays also just kind of suck. So I had recorded some episodes in advance for the novels and then just kind of took a break from recording. So that caught up to me and then decided to take a little break with finishing Unwoven to get ahead on recording The Eagle, which is already going a lot smoother in a lot of respects. I've kind of changed my viewpoint on recording these episodes from when I first started, which I knew was going to happen. I'm editing less, I'm less worried about natural pauses, breathing. I'm also better at reading aloud, so I don't have to do as many takes. The first few episodes of Unwoven, I was recording like an hour worth of audio to cut down to 30 minutes. Now I'm like only cutting like maybe five minutes out of bad takes and <laughs> giggling and mostly stopping because all of a sudden my neighbors decided to like have a screaming match outside my window. Uh, I think there's probably a couple episodes where you're you're going to be able to hear like sirens or something in the background because I couldn't hear it on. I couldn't hear it with my headphones on when I was recording and then didn't realize it until I was listening to it back. It's like, well, fuck, I'm not, not fucking redoing it. It's not worth it. It's not a big deal. It's kind of my going into 2022 thing. Because, like, I don't want to make a bunch of big resolutions this year or, like, a bunch of big goals. Because not even in, like, a self-defeatist way. Like, I'm not worried that I won't be able to accomplish any goals I set out for the year. It's looking back at previous years where I've set out goals like that. Sorry, I'm getting over a cold previous years where I've set goals like that, I have changed what I've been interested in partway through the year. It's like I can sit down in January and I can say, oh, I think for 2021, I'd said, oh, you know, I'm going to make a zine every month. I'm going to do my Patreon. I'm going to do self-publish one of the novels. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And then between personal stuff that happened Instead, in 2021, it's like, okay, I think I produced, like, six major zines. I did... My top surgery was a huge ordeal and event. I had a depressive episode <laughs> dealing with grief and stuff that lasted, like, six months. That was also time-consuming. I got into doing audio work um, and, you know, launched the podcast. And I was like, I'm happy with, you know, quote-unquote, what I accomplished last year, but it's not what I set out to do. And I feel like I'm a lot happier in life when I don't set out to do things with such specificity. Because I I ain't fucking doing it. No one's going to tell me what to do. At least of all me from, you know, a few months ago, that fucking nerd. You'll have to forgive my voice this morning. I have been out sick from work the last week. I was quarantining, waiting for test results. 
came back negative, but whatever the hell I had um, did a number on my throat. So, of course, I did a lot of recording this week (coughs) because I'm really responsible. So I guess it is an appropriate time, since this is the first housekeeping-style episode, since we have finished the first book we are reading on here, um, for me to actually celebrate, I recorded an audiobook. Wow. Um, That was a big deal for me, because that's something I've always wanted to dabble in, always wanted to do, but, you know, felt like I didn't know what I was doing, and I didn't. And... It's fitting for me that I did all that trial and error and kind of growing pains on Unwoven before getting more uncomfortable with, or (laughs) before getting more comfortable with a later novel. Because that was really my growing pains novel. Like, I started writing that book. I wrote originally a short story for a creative writing class in 2011 that was the teacher had put up a picture of, like, trees that were made of metal. And I'd written a short story kind of about that, and then went and expanded it to kind of like a spin-off thing. And then as I was writing it, I literally said, I was like, I do not have the energy to write a novel. This deserves to be a full novel. I'm going to shelf this. Then in 2015... My sister nagged me at the time, like, oh, you got to try National Novel Writing Month. And I was depressed. I was living in Southern California. I didn't really have anything going on. And it's like, okay. And I didn't know what I was going to write a novel about. So I sat down and I started to write kind of like a semi-autobiographical fiction about living with her and stuff. And then I would think, no, this is fucking stupid. I'm going to write about just, you know, this one story idea that I've had floating around for five years. And then I'd write a few pages of that, and I'd be like, no, this is stupid. I'm going to write about living with my sister. And I just kept, every time I thought it was stupid, going back and forth, and all of a sudden this narrative started emerging. And the first time I wrote it, like, there weren't any characters in it. It was this bare-boned, skeletal structure that just had Luna Lexington and then who would later be named Aubrey. Aubrey didn't even have a name in the first draft. And then it was like, well, I I have to add characters to it. So I was like, okay, I'll I'll put in this guy that tells Lexington to do things. He didn't even have a name. And then it turns out that the entire series is about this dumb guy that doesn't even have a name that wasn't even supposed to be in the first book. But I digress. I, I wrote that novel. I went and I wrote a prequel to that novel I wrote some other things, and then I went and I wrote a spinoff to the novel, which is The Eagle, that we're reading now. And The Eagle was the first time I wrote a book that I actually felt like, wow, these characters are compelling, Uh, this plot is compelling, there are things happening, I am, like, I want to know what happens next. The pacing is like, that, that was like the first time I wrote a novel that I'm like, this is actually a novel I would want people to read. So then I went back and I did a lot of heavy editing on Unwoven. But it's still... I think the big lesson to me with Unwoven, because I I don't want to say that I don't like it as a book. Obviously, I like it enough that, you know, I put it out there for y'all to listen to. Some of you gave me like six hours of your time to listen to the whole thing. I think it's a good story. I think there's really important themes in it. And it's really 
just that it's a period piece to me. And that's kind of what I'm trying to do more with my work is like, I can't keep making things and then sitting on them forever, trying to improve them as I improve, because it just turns so cyclical. And then by the time I'm getting it out there, it's like, if I had put Unwoven out there when I had written it, you know, six or seven years ago, that was reflective of who I was as a person and a writer at that time. It's very much a Chula Vista, California Toast Department piece. And I have moved on from that. So I'm trying to, as I'm writing things and working on things, not have such a long turnaround time. Because even, I mean, The Eagle, I wrote really in like 2017 to 2018, but the ending of it has taken me longer to write because my perspective and stuff has changed. And I'm not going to get into spoilers on that. If you're along for the ride, you'll find out. There's, I, I think that it's the fun one. It's, I mean, it's fun in a terrible, terrible way. I guess though, I share this like not only to talk about my writing or to justify, like I'm not trying to convince you guys, don't worry, that book was bad, but we have better books ahead. No, I'm still proud of it. And it's still like a thing I did. And like I said, the themes are important to me. But I think it's important to think of it as not holding your past self up to your current self standards. I know I do that a lot. Like I look back and it's like, well, why didn't I do this thing that I can do now? And I see it's kind of a common trend because people, you know, see people pull out like old sketchbooks and stuff be like, oh, look how cringy these early drawings were. And it's like, well, if you hadn't done all of those drawings that weren't very good, you wouldn't be where you are now. So you can look back on your past and be like, oh man, you know, I should have known better. I shouldn't have done stuff that way. If you hadn't done it wrong before, you wouldn't be doing it right now. Like you got to start somewhere. I think about that sometimes, um, since I was sick, I probably spent a little too much time flicking through like the Instagram reels. And I saw like this really tough guy, like writing in this really fancy calligraphy. And it just cracked me up because it reminded me of this guy in high school that I knew that was like kind of tough. And he'd tell me about all these, this graffiti stuff he was going to do. But then you actually realize like he went home after school and was practicing his lettering for like hours. And I was also like going home and practicing my lettering and stuff. And um, I, I did not consider myself super tough. But the talents we have, got to appreciate. Another thing uh, vaguely related to that, I guess, that is kind of dear to my heart is one of my friends on the internet, Eileen, who does a lot of writing and her work really interacts with the world in a way. She did a really great piece recently where she had written notes on post-it notes and went out and stuck them around that I really liked because her work doesn't just live on a page. And that really speaks to me. And we'll get to that in a second. But she had asked about, you know, grounding memories of like a time when you felt like yourself and you loved yourself more or felt better towards yourself and you were either like alone or with strangers, but not with loved ones. And then like, what would it be an object that you tied to that? And I told her my story that I've told on the laundry day before about the time that I was out frolicking in the snow. And it was the first time that I realized, you know, as long as I had myself, I'd be fine. 
and until I die, I'll, I'll fucking be here. But I think it's really important, and something I'm trying to do is emphasize more memories and feelings that I've had with myself where I feel good because of myself and because of things I've done, and not only replaying like happy memories with other people. I've lived alone now for two years, which it has been the only two years of my life that I've lived alone. I was always with people. And it's been, I think I'm finally settling into it in a way that I can kind of thrive. And sometimes it's still hard. But focusing on this idea that the commonality in my happy memories isn't other people, it's me. And I think that's really important to look at places where you felt empowered by yourself and your own actions because, you know, your self-worth and your comfort with yourself and your happiness does at least partially have to come from you. In doing that, um, one of the other things that I've been working on a lot this year so far is actually openly grieving. And that's been in just incorporating into my work, um, a lot more stuff aimed at people that I've lost uh, over the last few years because I hadn't really given myself space to do that or space to incorporate that in my work. And it's really nice because, um, well, I joke with my girlfriend uh, that I'm going to have to start posting more nice stuff about us together because people are going to assume we broke up because I'm, you know, posting artwork that's talking about I wish I could have loved you in a way that made it last a little longer and stuff like that. And that's not towards her. We're fine. I'm not that petty. But having the space to talk about mostly friendships, but even just relationships that I still have that have transitioned in intensity, giving myself space to mourn those in my work and to honor those in my work without feeling self-conscious about it or feeling like I should be over this now because, you know, now I have new people in my life. But really just going with the feelings I have and being authentic to them in the moment has not only brought back a depth to my work that I really missed, but it's also given me um, some peace in a sense that I, I feel like I can actually love and appreciate people in my life more because the more that I reflect on and let go of these relationships, friendships, or otherwise that failed for some reason, the more I can accept that I value the relationships I have, but I'm not broken without them. And that not need, not coming from a place of need, but coming from a place of, you know, appreciation and mutual respect and everything is such a gift to a relationship. Basically, I've just been trying really hard to let my feelings and stuff come naturally. And one of those things too, and that was what I was saying that I would get back to a few minutes ago, looping back to it, is artwork that's not confined to a page. When I was younger, I used to do a lot of installation artwork. Uh, <laughs> okay, I, I used to do a lot of guerrilla artwork and conceptual artwork and three-dimensional artwork and I do these pieces that it was like I'd carve stencils, but it wasn't about the stencil and I wouldn't make anything with the stencil. I would cast shadows and the artwork was the shadow. It was a lot of stuff that you could only really capture if you saw it or you photographed it. I did more performance stuff, more poetry readings and more abandoning stuff around town. 
and I'm finding ways to get back into it while still not completely abandoning documenting stuff, but interacting with the whole world and being part of the world instead of only creating my own worlds to escape to is really nice. It's, it's really nice. It's nice to get the feedback. It's nice to see when stuff resonates with other people. And then it is nice to have that grounding in reality. You know, I've always written a lot of fiction works, but people have always thought of me as a nonfiction writer because that's the stuff that's less precious to me. The, uh, you know, anecdotes about my life, that's the stuff that, you know, I, I write that essay and I post it and I move on with my life and that stuff resonates with people, which is a huge blessing. But it's my big fiction worlds that I keep to myself. And, you know, I've heard the phrase with writing, like, don't be precious. But I'd keep these big sprawling fiction worlds to myself because that's where I felt safe. Like, that was where I needed to go. So that was, like, my place. And I think that's maybe one of the reasons why, you know, it's good for me to be publishing these books in audio form is to kind of get them out and kind of release them to the world. Because for a long time I didn't want to do that because... If things were bad in the real world, I had a place I could go. I had these people that I could go hang out with. I had these things I could do. And throughout my life, in one way or another, it's kind of always been like that, you know, with different worlds. When I was a kid, it was like, <laughs> had these little made-up creatures that were kind of like little lion monsters. They were like little, little lion angels and demons. They were cute. They were... They were called Raruus, and I would play like these make-believe games in the backyard by myself that I'd run around and, you know, like talk to these other little characters that weren't there and forage for berries and stuff. But I think, especially in the last couple of years, especially having been fairly open about the um, process for my medical transition and stuff bringing my work back to interact with the world more has been valuable for me. It's something I would definitely recommend. I don't think that's the only... I think there's a balance to it because I don't think it's good or healthy to only create work with the intention to share it with other people because, you know, you can't rely only on the algorithm and outside validation. But on the other hand, you know, keeping everything to yourself, you're never going to have that chance to get the nuance and perspective from other people and realize how much things resonate with other people. And that's one thing that, you know, surprised me too, is I feel like a lot of work that I've shared has been inherently about, you know, my gender identity or some of my mental health issues and stuff. But people find solace in it and resonance in it that are not you know, going through the same stuff I am. But it's amazing to me that some of the stuff that I feel should be really unrelatable to these people hits in a different way. I think maybe that's humanizing, is that you realize even if there's different flavors of why you're feeling that way, you can still be like, oh, that's that's ice cream. That is the stupid... Okay, that's that's fine. That's a great metaphor. In less serious news... I am doing other things as well. So one thing that has caught the imagination of people, and I'm looking at right now, and I've also joked that actually my podcast and all this 
is for my plants. You guys, if you are listening to it, it is a bonus. This is the extra love, light, joy, and affection that I'm not using on my plants because everything I do that I'm reading is for my desk plants. They are thriving. Some of them are growing towards the light. Some of them are growing towards my microphone, and I think it's I think you know why. But I decided to plant pumpkins on my desk, which I have talked about a little bit on social media, but in case I have... And for posterity. For posterity, let's talk about the pumpkins. So I have uh, Arrow Garden, like a little hydroponics all-in-one setup, both on my desk in the front room and in my dresser in the bedroom. My bedroom, it's... The light turns on at 4.30 in the morning, uh, so it feels like I am being raptured by God himself, and it is time to wake up. And it has helped me get out of bed in the mornings immensely. I'm not a morning person. I'm growing tomatoes and poppies and peas in that one. And then on the one in my desk in the front room, I have two pumpkins. And... <laughs> They are from seeds that I got a few years ago that I when I used to have a porch garden in a different apartment. And the pumpkins are supposed to get up to 120 pounds. And I have seen at least one person on the internet successfully grow pumpkins in an arrow garden before. They're not very big. Like I said, it's you know just a little hydroponics thing with a little light. I'm going to have to water it and feed it immensely in the coming months, and I really don't know how I'm going to fit it across my desk. I might have to get a second light source for when it trails out, and I I don't give a fuck. Because I figure, if the pumpkins are supposed to get up to 120 pounds, and I only succeed 10% of the way, I will have a 10-pound pumpkin. But if I had grown pumpkins that were supposed to be little pumpkins, and I only succeeded 10% of the way, I would have no pumpkins, only vine. So I actually have two pumpkin plants planted because I don't think they're self-pollinating. I think that I need two of them so that I can impregnate them if we get that far. But I'm also expecting that my desk is going to just become overgrown with vines. And I'm really excited about it, even if it fails. The fact that it has captured the heart and charmed so many people already is reminds me why I used to do more silly shit like this. Is it, It's fun. I've also been sculpting more grotesques, which is something I used to do a lot. Like I said, I used to do a lot of 3D art, and I used to do a lot of like weird shit. And people have just been taken, because I've, I've given them all personalities. You can't spend an hour and a half sculpting a little hell beast and then not give them a personality. But it reminds me of the storytelling and stuff that I did when I was in my late teens or even as a kid, that it's like, well, this is gloop. They are existential. Their self-esteem is really low. (laughs) But it's so magical because, you know, you can share this ridiculous monster you've sculpted and you can share this little backstory and talk to the people like you are this this little gloop. And people will respond in earnest. Like these adults will just go on and do this make-believe. And I find it without fail. It enchants people. Like, if you invite people to make-believe with you, they absolutely fucking will. And it's so heartwarming. 
and also sad because it's like, why aren't we doing that all the time? <laughs> so that's my unofficial challenge to you guys is like play make-believe. Invite people to pretend something with you. Like people all have that creativity in them. And a lot of people are just still looking for an excuse or permission to exercise it. One of the ones I sculpted, I based off of a monster that I drew in elementary school. We had to do a presentation on an extinct animal that we got to make up the animal, what it was and how it became extinct. And I made these birds <laughs> that were extinct because they were auto-cannibalistic and they all ate themselves and died. So that's one of the little things I sculpted. And someone messaged me and said, that's a great prompt for a kid or for an adult. It's like, it's absolutely a great prompt for an adult too. It's just give yourself the permission to just do something fucking stupid for a little bit. I have way too many people tell me that they can't draw or they can't write because they're so self-conscious that what they have to make, you know, has to be good. And I tell people a lot, when I create stuff, I don't create thinking about how I'm going to share it. I create because I want to make it. And then later I go back and assess, like, is this something that I'm going to share with the world? Is this something just for me? I have, you know, a whole ass sketchbook that's mostly just stupid shit for me. Or, you know, just to make a couple people laugh, but not something that I'm like, I got to go share this with the world. There's a balance to it. Relationships with other people are valuable. Relationships with yourself is valuable. I don't... If one was more important than the other, then I'd say your relationship with yourself, just because you're stuck with you, at least until your corpse kicks it. Maybe longer. You don't know. Anyway, I'm looking at the time on my recording, and I'm thinking it's about time to wind this episode down. So let's grab a, a prompt of the week, of the every other week of the fortnight, if you will. Um, I, I don't have anything for last time's prompt, but I have ASMR. Oh, yeah. There we go. That's what we're all here for. Okay, in the prompt jar, we have... Oh, God. We have a um, kind of ugly green piece of paper. Okay. On the theme of make-believe, my friends, you wake up one morning and notice there is an extra door in your house. What's behind the door? Or would you even look? I would really love to hear or see your responses as to what is behind the extra door in your house. I only have one door inside my apartment, and it is the bathroom door. I do not have a bedroom door. So if I had an extra door... I like to think that it would just materialize where the bedroom door would be if I had one. Anyway, my friends, it is 2022. I hope everyone is taking it easy, being good to themselves, um, taking care of yourself. I have some exciting stuff going on that I can't talk about yet, but hopefully we'll be able to announce in a future Laundry Day episode. Um, we're, we're doing stuff. And... Even though I'm doing stuff, my biggest prerogative so far this year has been to take it easy. Treat relaxing like a fucking obligation, guys. I want everyone to go out there, be safe and healthy, and take care of yourselves. I love you all, and until next time, I will see you next Tuesday with another episode of 
the Eagle. Uh, Eric out.